steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today we are wrapping up free agency. I know I said last week that free agency was pretty much over, um, but a couple things have happened. Relatively minor moves, but in the grand scheme of things, could prove to be very important for your Vikings. Uh, the return of Mackenzie Alexander, who of course was drafted here in Minnesota and went to Cincinnati last year. He returns on a one-year deal. And then you also, we finally get the news that I think most of our fan base has been waiting for, and that's that the Vikings have signed a safety to replace Anthony Harris in Xavier Woods. So we'll discuss him a little bit. And then if we have some time at the end, we'll kind of just break down what the Vikings did in free agency, how well they did, uh, where they stand coming out of this and heading into the draft. And then next week we will start focusing on just that with the draft really not that far away, to be honest with you. Kind of snuck up on me. So, um, all right, let's get into it here. Uh, starting with Mackenzie Alexander, since this is a name that we already know and we kind of have a, you know, a good feel for what he brings to the team and or I guess what he brings back to the team and sort of his playing style and what makes him an asset. Uh, what are your just your immediate thoughts seeing Mackenzie Alexander is coming back after just a you know a short one year stint away from the Vikings? I mean, I I, I like it a lot. I think the Vikings need that depth. Um, he obviously has the experience already with uh, with Zimmer's defense. Um, you know, he was kind of that that feisty attitude, right, that you want right. out of a corner. Um, so all of those are good things. Um, it's I guess I, I almost have questions about other players now. Not that it's like. I'm mostly just wondering about what happens now with Mike Hughes, right? Um, and I guess who gets that slot spot or, you know, how the depth chart shakes out now. Right. Um, and I'm saying this as, you know, as if the Vikings have some embarrassment of riches at the position now, which I don't <laughs> think is necessarily true, but there's a, there's a bunch of guys there that probably deserve the chance to get playing time, but there's for sure five guys and you can't always have five cornerbacks on the field. So curious about how that all works out, but uh, I think it's a good move for both sides. I think, uh, you know, I think there was maybe some questions or there were some rumors, you know, a few years ago about Alexander's, um, you know, I wouldn't say attitude, but maybe the way he and Zimmer jived. Uh, he and Zimmer attitude. jived. You would say attitude, sure. <laughs> I would say attitude, yeah. um, but it, it, I mean, it appears that, you know, he's willing to resign with the team and he had some positive comments about Zimmer today in the presser. So um, not that we would expect anything less from a presser uh, when right. he's being announced as a new member of the team, but you know, it's, I have, you know, it, it's fine. I mean, I'm not super excited about it. You're getting a fourth or fifth cornerback on the depth chart here, but uh, I think it's, you know, a benefit, a nice little boost to the cornerback spot that desperately needs one. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about that press conference here in a minute. Cause I think there were some things said during there that are worth uh, breaking down a bit, but, for as far as Mackenzie Alexander, you're right. He joins that depth chart. You mentioned five cornerbacks, that of course being Patrick Peterson, Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, Mike Hughes, who you mentioned, who might be kind of the short, getting the short end of the stick here. And then of course, Mackenzie Alexander. There's also Harrison Hand. There's been, you know, rumors floating around that he might be a guy that moves to safety, potentially as a backup or kind of a, a spot player. Uh, 
But the Vikings, all of a sudden, you're right. They have an abundance of defensive backs, which is uh, something they definitely didn't have last year. And, you know, the year before, you could really say the same, given kind of the, the you know, the, the performance that Xavier Rhodes went down and uh, Trey Waynes and so forth. So uh, for the first time, the Vikings seem to be kind of in a good situation there with, you know, a leader in Patrick Peterson. You got the two young guys in Gladly and Dancer, who you saw good things from last year and you should be excited about. You got some veteran depth in Mackenzie Alexander. And then really, you know, this does come down to Mike Hughes. Like there's the questions about Mike Hughes. Like who who is he to the Minnesota Vikings? And really, who is he as an NFL player? He's been hurt so much that it's hard to really project his future at this point. So to call Mackenzie Alexander insurance uh, is probably fair. But I think he might actually be more than just insurance for Mike Hughes because, I mean, what are you insuring? Seriously, I'm serious. Like what do you what do you what do we know about Mike Hughes? Like other than his pedigree as a first round pick, which, you know, he could very easily have been a second, third, or fourth round pick, depending on you know what board you're looking at. He barely made it into the first round in the first place. Um and there have been signs, yeah. They, he's had a couple of very nice plays. He's had a couple of very nice games at that. Um, but he's never been able to string anything to consistent together now. And all of a sudden you bring in Mackenzie Alexander, who one, knows the scheme. Two, has been able to adapt on the fly pretty well and to been able to you know, take on different roles and different assignments and be, at the very least, kind of a default cornerback, a guy that's going to give you, you know, favorable reps on a consistent basis. Mike Hughes is just really none of those things. So you're right. There's a lot of questions there. Um, and you bring up the, you know, kind of the major question mark with Mackenzie Alexander and really this personality trait thing with him, the character, attitude, et cetera. I mean, that was in his draft profile when he was coming out of Clemson. Like, that's... You know, that's something that we've seen from this guy forever. Um, but the press conference did not sound like the Mackenzie Alexander that, you know, I remember. Uh, he was a little bit more hard to get words out of and from my personal experience with him. But uh, he said some nice things about Mike Zimmer. I mean, of course, he, he came back. I, I imagine he had other offers on the table. He chose to come back and, you know, work with Mike Zimmer. He said he likes his coaching style. Uh, but, you know, the situation is – you know, I think it's a really good fit. It looks like a really good fit on paper for both parties. Uh, is this the biggest opportunity that Mackenzie Alexander had, though? I mean, that again, it goes back to Mike that's the Hughes. That's the question I have, too, is like how much of a market was there for him? If it's, I believe he's at the minimum or close to the minimum. Right, right. Uh, so there there may not have been much of a market and kind of figured this was maybe the uh, best way to make know, more money. Best The best opportunity he had to further you know, give himself an opportunity to make more money down, down the line. Um, and so there's, you know, I think it's good that there's going to be competition at that spot for training camp, right? Uh, that's a spot where outside of Patrick Peterson, really, I, I would say anything is kind of up for grabs there, any of those spots. Um, you know, while Dancer showed a lot of promise, you know, I mean, Alexander can play inside and outside, which is a bonus for him. Uh, Gladney's kind of the same deal. He kind of was mostly slot last year. Um, and then Mike Hughes, I think we're still, like you said, just so many question marks, but it seems like those five guys, you know, plus we've seen how much your depth can kind of quickly uh, disintegrate yeah. at that position. So there's, it's good to have five guys that at least have, you know, all five of them have some serious talent, right? There's no question about that. Right. Bedigree's, you know, drafted highly second round or higher, all of them. So, uh, I guess Stancer was third round, but uh, point is, you know, Zimmer's got some guys to work with, develop, and I think that's really what he wanted and what he had to begin with in 2014 when he started to build that first kind of elite defense. And now it starts sort of that cycle's kind of starting back over here. So that on that part of things, it's it's kind of you know 
fun and exciting. Yeah, uh, it's starting to, you know, I think we already established that, it's, that the Vikings are a reload rather than, you know, total thing and start over from scratch team. Uh, they're, they're doing it again. <laughs> they're definitely doing that. I mean, these are all uh, winning moves, I would say, like depth moves. You're not looking to, you know, necessarily like completely alter the, the organization with these signings or at least these most recent signings. But you are looking to add depth, you know, cautionary pieces. You know, like you said, the Vikings learn firsthand what it's like to be down at several cornerbacks and what your team can look like when you're working with number six on your depth chart. It's not a great situation. It puts you in a very difficult position to win games. So at the very least, Mackenzie Alexander gives you good reps um, and he gives you, you know, a player that's been on the field for most of his career for you know, 15, 14 through 16 games. Um, something that Mike Fuse can't unfortunately can't say for himself. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, what shakes out. But I think ultimately you're right. Like this is a good position to have competition at. Um, you know, the, the, I, I'm, in, I'm kind of excited to see how these personalities all mesh together, especially with new faces and old faces kind of combining. Uh, it'll be interesting, but I think the Vikings have a very good depth chart and a good locker room at that position. Uh, so it seems like they're heading in the right direction, at least in that regard. Now, are they, are these moves here going to, you know, are they, yes, are they contender moves? Yes. Are they, you know, moves that the Vikings should be making? I guess that remains to be seen, but these are definitely winning moves, uh, filling out your depth chart with quality players. Now let's move here to Xavier Woods, because I think he's the more interesting signing just because I, I, regardless of his salary, I mean, he's going to be playing a lot of reps, uh, barring something, you know, you know, a significant change that I can't personally foresee. Um, he's going to be the starter when the Vikings start in week one in September, and he's going to be playing opposite Harrison Smith, which is good news for him. And based off of his skill set and kind of the historical precedent that he set for, you know, his playing style, I think it's a very good scheme fit for him as well. Um, but he has big shoes to fill, even if Anthony Harris was, you know, quote, having a down year last season. Um, he's a good player. He's never been a great player. And that's something that Anthony Harris can say for himself, regardless of, you know, how he performed last year. The Vikings knew that he had the potential to be elite next to Harrison Smith. We don't know that with Xavier, with Xavier Woods. But I think there's reasonable belief to think that he can produce an above average year, especially when he's kind of moved into that full on free safety position. And Harrison Smith moves into that box safety, strong safety, whatever title you want to give it. Basically, the tackling safety as opposed to the coverage safety, which I think benefits both parties. Right. Um, it's it's like it's like I have no qualms with this move at all. Um, in fact, I the only thing that's really uh, concerning for me is how much if you look at uh, you know the tweets, the replies to tweets, etc. A lot of Cowboys fans were kind of making fun of the Vikings for this move. Um, but, you know, because he had kind of, a, it's a similar deal um, you know, with kind of like Patrick Peterson in a way where they both kind of had a disappointing 2020 season. Right. Um, and so they're kind of both kind of looking for that rebound uh, season and they're both hoping that, you know, Mike Zimmer and his kind of defensive his reputation as a defensive, you know, DB uh, guru can can help him a little bit. So it is interesting how it seems like Zimmer, and we talked about this last show, but he has he's kept that reputation as sort of this defensive mastermind, um, despite what went down in 2020 with his defense. But uh, I think there's a couple things with Woods here. So you mentioned he's going to be kind of primarily right your center fielder replacing Harris. Um, as we've seen over the last several years, you know, you don't have to be a, an elite player when playing next to Harrison Smith. I don't right. think to, to have a positive impact on 
the Vikings defense. You really, I mean, you can, I think the way it works is as long as I think we saw this like Anderson Dayhill, for example, um, when, you know, the Vikings were really at their peak as a defense and then Harris too, kind of 2017, 2018, um, when, you know, the, the Vikings defense is, is gelling. Uh, Zimmer is dialing up his blitz packages and he's kind of on his number. Uh, that free safety spot is, I mean, there is, it's green light everywhere. Be aggressive, uh, kind of take your chances and it, it, you, you're put in good spots. So uh, I have no problem with this move. Uh, I think you get a good player. I think it's a really good price for this player. Um, and I think, again, I think Woods would be in a good spot to kind of perhaps make some more money the next year, which is, uh, we should mention too, all these deals are one-year deals, you know, with, for all these guys, with the exception of uh, Tomlinson, all these free agency deals, essentially all of them are going to be one-year deals. So everybody's trying to capitalize on the next year. Uh, so, but anyway, it's, um, I, I like the move. I have no problems with it. I think Woods is a good, a good addition. And we should also talk about, I'll, I'll let you kind of chime in here, but I do want to mention the, you know, the big comments he had, I think last year, two years ago about how he conserves energy uh, during games. I know that was a big uh, kind of a negative uh, perception of him a lot is due to that comment. So, okay. So I, I read that from the vantage point that Luke Braun put it out as right. The, the article that he wrote for zone. Right. That's what I was kind of referring to. And I was going to get to that. Yeah. Right. So I didn't actually know about these comments, you know, when they initially happened, right? Like I don't, I don't follow enough Dallas Cowboys news, and this wasn't na- a national headline as far as I was concerned. So I saw it from that angle first. So understand that it's coming from this bias. Like, I'm all for being objective as a player, even if it sounds, you know, wrong. I, I don't like, I don't like the company emails. Like, let's all give 110 percent today. Put on a happy face, and we're gonna give max effort right. from eight to five, and. Um, everything's going to be hunky-dory, and if you work your tail off, then everyone's going to benefit from it, and this, that, and the other thing. Like, I don't need that. I don't I, – no, I don't think – you know, there's some people who do need that. I'm not, I'm not personally one of them. So, again, I'm seeing that from this lens as well. So, like, when I'm thinking about playing a full 60 minutes, especially at safety, which is about as close to a midfielder in soccer as you're going to find in professional football where you're expected to cover a lot of ground in a lot of, you know, a short amount of time in short bursts, and then you kind of hang out, and then you go back to doing the same thing once again. Um, there's a lot of energy that's required there for those short bursts. So if you're conserving energy by floating around in center field while a running play, I don't have a problem with that, especially when you're playing next to Harrison Smith, who will not be floating around in center field on a running play. He'll probably be in the backfield. So does do those comments concern me? No, I think he's just being a human. I think he's I think he's being honest. Being uh, honest, yeah. Because yeah, like, I, mean, I think I think that's a very it's a much more common thing than we realize. Um, it's just not what you know. As a fan of the team, you don't want to hear somebody say, you know, I'm not giving 100 percent every single snap, but. It just makes in, me puke, though. It's like it's 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 just someone being honest, and I think um, I think he's got a great point, uh, especially for what you said. You know, that's a guy that, when needed, he's got to potentially run you know fifty yards um, in a dead sprint and catch up with the fastest athletes in the world. Um, right. And if you're tired after the previous play, doing the same thing, going hard on a play that you ultimately maybe didn't have anything to do with, or maybe the play goes away from you, etc. Um, you could argue it's wasted energy so there's i know there's probably there's a counter argument to that i'm sure i get but um you know it's kind of the question becomes you know would you rather have you know xavier woods at 
maybe an average of, I don't know, like 90 to 95% energy um, on any given play versus Josh Metellus at like hundred <laughs> percent. So that's, that's kind of the argument that, and the question that you have to, to answer for yourself. And I guess I'm going to take Woods. You also have to keep in mind too, like the role that he's speaking to, right? Like he's speaking to the safety position. He's not talking about defensive end where every single play is life or death, right? You got to get pressure on the quarterback or the play is going to be a failure. He's playing safety, which by definition, you're the safety. You're, you're trying to make sure nothing gets behind you. So as long as, you know, you're – if especially this guy too who's a true blue, like by the marker free safety in Madden, right? Like a, a pure zone coverage guy. Like if you just hang back and nothing ever gets behind you, we're probably not even going to notice, especially, again, with Harrison Smith playing next to you. Like, is this guy a bona fide playmaker? I don't think so. I mean, 17 pass breakups. Uh, I think it was five interceptions in his four years as a professional. Those aren't outstanding numbers by any means. They're solid. They're they're average numbers. Uh, they're about what the Vikings paid for. But am I okay with, you know, having that type of player in the position that he's in as long as nothing gets behind him? Yeah. Yeah. I, we can reevaluate effort when these people, players start going over the top of Xavier Woods. If that happens, I'm sure these effort comments will come up again and we'll have a completely different discussion because all of a sudden, like, it's not about effort anymore. It's about not doing your job. All I care about, and this is going to sound very football guy and very cliche, but all I care about is just do your job, like do it well so that everyone else can do their job. Mm-hmm. And then the guys that are being paid the millions of dollars, those are the onus is on them to make the big plays. Daniil Hunter, if we're going to pay you big money, you got to put pressure on the quarterback 70, 80% of the time, and you got to be getting to the quarterback maybe once a game on average. Uh, Harrison Smith, you're getting the big contract. You're going to have to do more. You're not going to just stand sit in center field. You're going to be playing linebacker. You're going to be playing slot corner. You're going to be playing outside on occasion, zone, press, man, whatever it is. You're asked to do more. This guy is asked to play center field and basically be a, you know the, the last line of defense. That's his job. So if he wants to conserve energy until the fourth quarter when they're trying to throw Hail Marys at you when you're down by six points and you can't allow 40 yards, that's when I want him to be at full strength, right? When, when the plays are coming over the top, when the, de- the offense is desperate, that's when this guy thrives. And I'm cool with that. That seems like a, that seems like a big win to me. So, again – I guess the, the short way of saying, you know, I don't care what he said. And as long as the effort doesn't turn into he's not doing his job, I'm never going to care. It's just just make sure you get it done. I don't think any boss of any company ever cares more about, you know, how you did it than if it gets done with, ex- with, with exception to morality and ethics. Right. Like as long as it gets done, I don't care, you know, if it's done, you know, now three hours from now, whenever that deadline is, as long as it gets done before that deadline, do it. Just get it done. That's that's all I want them to do. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I just don't take a whole lot away from it, I guess. Right, yeah. Again, I, I got no problem with it. And I overall, I really like the signing. I think you're – I would have – you know, if you had told me Xavier Woods would be – have a cap hit somewhere for less than $2 million. Um, and it would – well, I, I would have been hoping the Vikings would jump all over that. And then, you know, because we were kind of – you know, when I think last week, right, Anthony Harris had just signed with the Eagles and we were kind of like, well, why would the Vikings not right. pay up the five mil for, for Anthony Harris to get him back? Um, and I think this, in, you know, to to some degree for sure answers that question. Um, if you can get Woods for, you know, $3 million less, um, maybe, sure, perhaps a downgrade, but um, 
uh, clearly the Vikings are trying to do some more things in free agency as well. Um, so this allows them to do that. Okay. So looking at this thing kind of in totality now, right? Um, Mackenzie Alexander and uh, Xavier Woods are, you know, on the, on the scale of, you know, general free agency, relatively minor signings. Um, do they matter to the Vikings, a team that didn't have any depth last year, needed to replace a couple starters that left? Yes, these these are important signings. They're not, you know, game-changing signings. But I guess, you know, they also help you fill out what the Vikings did in free agency and what the Vikings are going to be returning to, you know, on defense. Um, there's the tweet floating around today that the Vikings quite literally will have, like, eight new players on defense week one compared to their week 17 lineup last year. So this is, you know, this, these are big moves here um, at a, you know, a, a fraction of the cost, I suppose. I mean, you're getting a really good deal on at least a couple of these guys. Um, and this kind of goes back to Mike Zimmer too, right? Like we talked about his ability to lure guys in. Well, you know, Kyle Shanahan, what's the benefit of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay? They employ a great scheme that benefits the quarterback position. Okay the Vikings have opted to go in a different direction with their head coaching position and have a defensive guy, you know, long-term, right? This guy's been here for a while now, and mm -hmm. this is the route they're going to go. Well, that influence, what the benefit to having that defensive coach, it comes out right now. Can you bring in free agents who are considered kind of cast-offs? Patrick Peterson, I'm looking at you. Xavier Woods, you can say the same thing. Mackenzie Alexander as well. I mean, really, Dalvin Tomlinson was, I think, the only one that had a major market for him, you know, outside of just Minnesota. A lot of these guys were, you know, they're, they're coming here to kind of jumpstart their career again. Uh, this is Mike Zimmer's time to shine. Like, can you do this? Can you make these players who are considered cast-offs or average or below average or default guys that aren't going to give you anything? Can you turn them into above average players, superstar players? Can you get the absolute maximum out of them? Can you juice the rest of whatever Patrick Peterson's got left out of them? Can you do that? I mean, this is Mike Zimmer's time to shine. Like, yes, right. they, they did answer some questions here with free agency, but this is also putting a lot more pressure on him. Like, all right, be the defensive back guru. Yeah. Be the guy. Let's see it. Well, I think part of it, too, is, is you know, I think clearly the Vikings front office management uh, – very much trust Mike, Mike Zimmer's doing. Um, right. And as we've gone over before, over and over, um, they don't see this as a rebuild project, obviously. They never did. Um, the Wilfs, the front office, the management, they never have wanted to rebuild. And so what they're doing is they're kind of relying on Zimmer's past, uh, you know, his accomplishments, um, what he's been able to do with like Xavier Rhodes, turning him into an all pro player. Um, Harrison Smith, evolving him from kind of budding star, you know, the first couple of years in the league right. to truly a superstar. That's elite every single year in and you're out. Um, we did with, you know, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter. Now, I mean, these there's over and over Eric Kendricks, there's guys that you can point to that, you know, are exceeding their expectations coming into the league. Absolutely. And so the Vikings are kind of banking on Zimmer to do this again. And that they're seeing the last, the last season 2020 as an anomaly um, where, bunch of injuries um you know wh whatever you think may think about the roster right i think i have my own take and that i still think the roster is is I, th I would say a rebuild is necessary right um but clearly they don't believe that and so they're kind of trusting zimmer and you can see with all these free agency moves right i mean they are focusing hard on the defensive side of the ball right i mean the whole thing is defense pretty much right so you have your i think they traded for that lineman mason cole mason i believe cole. uh but other than I that i mean it's start 
it's Tomlinson, it's Weatherly, it's um, you're bringing in Patrick Peterson, you're bringing in Xavier Woods, you're bringing in Mackenzie Alexander. I mean, you're you're bringing in vigilant linebacker. I mean, you're solidifying your defense. That's all they've done in free agency to this right. point. Uh, so I think that speaks to, you know, they 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 philosophy. They believe in defense, uh, kind of the old school, you know, adage that Zimmer employs. Um, and, I, and I don't necessarily agree with that myself, but um, you know, I guess this is sort of the. I would say based on all these being one year deals too, this is probably Zimmer, you know, if another yeah. repeat of 2020 happens again, really that point. seat yeah. is warming up because they're kind of giving him this chance here um, to kind of rectify that and turn things around here. Well, this is just a weird year, right? Like, I mean, this, this market, right. And it's, that's not the only reason all of these are one year deals, right? Like right. that's not, but I think it works out that way too. But it's where, an opportunity, right? Like yes. it's something you can take advantage of specifically as, as ownership or as upper management, the, the decision makers, right? It, it, it this year is an anom- anomaly in itself because you get basically a free evaluation of you know every player that's not marquee basically and even for some of the guys that are marquee players Juju Smith-Schuster signed a you know a not super lucrative deal and only one year I mean Alan Fr- Alan Robinson's gonna be playing on the franchise tag like every team in the NFL has this advantage and the Vikings are in my opinion like that's probably the best thing about this free agency class is that not only did they add players that can give them, you know, a better team next year, but they, they, they sustain flexibility moving forward. They can get under out from underneath a lot of these deals or they don't even need to because they're not even under contract next season. So, you know, there's some real benefits to all of that. So, I mean, you look at this class, you know, this free agent class and just on paper, the group seems very good. I mean, you got a good, I think you've got good deals on just about every player, like in terms of value, every single signing, I think was a value signing. I mean, Patrick Peterson is really the only arguable one. And I think that you could make a case that two years ago, if he was a free agent, he'd make about $5 million per year than the Vikings gave him. So in my opinion, all value signings, you put them onto these, this roster now. Um, and I like the approach in, I mean, again, I, I would rather have rebuilt too, but if you're going to go this direction, I like the approach of, you know, fortifying your defense in free agency and then drafting offensive talent slash kind of adding some more youth into that mix with your draft class. Like they got to go offense. Now I know they brought in Mason Cole, who that's fine. Uh, He's basically going to be your throwaway guard. It sounds like they feel the same way as us at the position where it just, they they're willing to sacrifice a little bit there. And uh, Brian O'Neill likes him. So there's that you bring in another piece. That basically means that, you know, you got one spot to fill probably, and then you got, you know, best player available essentially. So if you could get some good talent and just fill that one last slot, like this, this team can be competitive next year, which ultimately I think is what, you know, what the Wolves want, what all of us, right. or I guess what most of us want is just to at the very least be competitive. I mean, it, it does suck to go, to be two and 14. Like that's not fun for anyone, but uh, if you're going to go this route, this is the way to do it, I think. So I am I think that this free agency, like, period for the Vikings has to be at least a B if you're looking at, like, you know, a grading system. Like, it's an above-average class. Like, you did – you accomplished just about everything you needed to do, and then you traded for the one other piece that, you know, you felt like you need to get some depth on the offensive line, specifically interior. I think you accomplished that as well. So, I mean, is the, I don't think any of these guys are going to blow anyone away. I don't think – no, right. no one here is no one in this draft or this group. Is well, gonna it, be this is this is a classic. Changer, but... This is a classic Vikings free agency class. I mean, they're not throwing huge money, overpaying for these the, kind of the marquee number one guy in free agency. They've never really done that. 
um, they go for sort of your second or third tier guys at that position right. um, that they need. And that's how they address those spots. And so in that regard, I think they did really well. The, I guess the glaring um, issue I would have with it is that they sort of made their marquee free agent signing a guy at nose tackle where, um, you know, they're prioritizing stopping the run versus stopping the pass essentially, um, where right. they have now two nose tackles. Um, and, you know, not that Zimmer doesn't have a plan for that or that, you know, it maybe, you know, maybe it works out flawlessly and I'm wrong. Um, I just, I just don't see a scenario where it's worth paying that guy two for 22, a Tomlinson I'm talking about. And then also having Pierce at three for 27, having two nose tackles there. It just seems like it's overlapping too much based on how this defense works. But again, I could be wrong. It's just, I, I, I'm that's the one hiccup I have here. But again, I think you've addressed cornerback really well. You've brought in your, your starting safety at a pretty good value for the cap number. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't overpaid for an offensive lineman, um, which I think the Vikings have done before. That was before. something that we asked for, you know, right. as people who don't right. matter. Yep. And so now I think the Vikings do have the opportunity now too in the draft, which is I think important is to go into the draft without one specific issue right. or glaring need where they can go best player available. Um, which is, I think, a big bonus, and I'm hoping that that's what they do. I hope they don't reach for a position of need like they have in the past sometimes. Yeah, this is definitely a situation where you let your scouts go to work, right? Like they've been studying these players, you know, going jumping through all the hoops with COVID and whatnot, giving you all the data and all the information that you need on these guys. Now it's time to look at that big board and take the guy that all of you agreed was the top player available, right? Um, they put the – Part of what makes this free agency great is that they put themselves in more of a position to do just that. We talked about this at the beginning of free agency, like what do you want to accomplish here? Just fill out the roster enough so that you don't need to make any desperation moves during the draft. Because this is like free agency is something that lasts sometimes a couple years. Most of the time you see the effects in one year or two years. Mm-hmm. The draft is something that affects your your foreseeable future. The guy that the Vikings take at 14 or 27 or wherever they end up selecting, that guy's going to be on the roster for at least four years, almost guaranteed, barring some kind of ridiculous screw-up like the guard in Tennessee. Um, he's going to be with this team for the foreseeable future. This guy, this pick matters. And really, you can say the same thing about the second and third round picks. And to a lesser Well, they all like, yeah. I mean, every pick matters, right? I mean, you, could, you talk right. about Tennessee, but like, what did they miss out on by drafting this guy who – uh, doesn't even right. want to play football. Like, like there's that, there's that cost and you know benefit analysis to be done with every single draft pick. So they're they're clearly more impactful just based on the potential reward if you really hit on one of those guys. Right. And Vikings have seen that too. So um, it's yeah, and I I think we've seen it over and over. You know, best player available. You're able to at some point work that guy into your plan if he's good enough. If you've hit on the pick, if you've done Baltimore, your homework properly. So Baltimore is the best example of that, right? Like Ozzie Newsom back, and, and really their new regime as well, who has kind of followed in Ozzie Newsom's footsteps. I mean, the Ravens literally never drafted for need. They just took the guy that made the most sense, and they literally year after year after year, ending with Lamar Jackson, they got the greatest value in the first round every single year, and then they, you know, they get their pieces that they need in the second, third round. Etc. But they've been like, this is the model that you got to follow if you want to be a consistent contender. You just got to take the best player. You, you get like, you, you can't just be like, all right, if we get a running back that can rush for 1,400 yards, we're going to add 0.6 wins to our total. I think the best chance to get those 0.6 wins is in the second round. We're drafting a running back in the second round. You can't do that here. You have to just take the best player available that makes the most sense for your scheme, that you see the highest potential with, that's going to give you the greatest amount of total value 
moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think the Vikings, by doing what they did in free agency, put them in a position to do just that. Now they just need to execute the rest of the plan, right? Like, I don't know if that's actually the Vikings' plan. They could totally stump us and do something ridiculous and right. trade up. That's for all just speculation at this point. Um, but if they I'm, follow the plan, they're doing a good job here, right? Right. And then I think the next question that I have is, you know, in terms of the draft, they have one pick in the first 77, I, st- right. I believe, right? So. Uh, I can't imagine Rick Spielman is going to be satisfied with that. So. There's a reason why I keep saying first, second, third, fourth, et cetera, because I know he's going to have them. Like, I just, I right. don't know where they're going to be. Yet, I think my I mean, ideal plan is, you know, uh, with the way the quarterback uh, market, I suppose, for this draft is shaping up. I think it's very possible that you could get a team desperate for that fifth quarterback, whoever it, it would be. If it's going to be maybe Trey Lance, I would suppose would be the popular pick for that number five QB. But if that guy's available at 14, and somebody is still searching for a quarterback, you kind of trade down if, if the Vikings aren't in the, you know, willing to draft the quarterback, that is. Um, but that's where you get your trade down, pick up that second round pick again. But uh, I think that'd be my ideal strategy if the Vikings are not drafting a quarterback in that first round. So, but of course, you know, we'll, we'll see how things play out here. But um, I do think the Vikings overall have done, you know, they've, they've helped themselves more. They've hurt themselves for sure uh, over the past few weeks in free agency. Absolutely. And, and one of the benefits, too, of this type of draft, you know, following the San Francisco trade and following the Philadelphia trade and kind of the, uh, the subsequent reports about that is that, you know, if this goes as, you know, the most respected analysts in the country believe it's going to go right. Trevor Lawrence, number one, Zach Wilson, number two, uh, maybe Trey Lance, number three or Justin Fields, number three. Uh, and then Mac you know, Jones, whichever, number three. Mac Jones, number three, et cetera. We were hearing those reports today, right, that San Francisco might have moved up for him. Like, there could be five straight quarterbacks that go in a row, right? Mm-hmm. That pushes players down, right, guys that right. are top five picks. So I'm thinking just off the top of my head, I mean, Jamar Chase is no longer a top three pick. In some draft classes, that's a guy that you have to get with, like, number two if you want to get him. All of a sudden, he's, like, your number six. I mean, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. Uh, those wide receivers could slip a little bit as well as a result. I mean, there's a butterfly effect here, right? As a result of these quarterbacks going in the top four or five picks, I mean, if we get a run of quarterbacks, all of a sudden, you know, some of these top talented players at other positions that are just less of less value than the quarterback spot, all of a sudden are slipping down to 10 mm-hmm. to 14. And you have, you're in a position where a team feels like, you know, if we, if we can trade up and, you know, I don't know, I don't Darisaw is there, the defensive lineman. That's a move that we've seen a lot of teams do in recent past, trading up to get, you know, an impactful in defensive lineman. Um, pick your poison here, draft guys. The Vikings just Vikings are in a better position as a result of what San Francisco did. And as long as they just kind of sit back, let the draft come to them and make, you know, the reasonable moves, they'll be in a better position to succeed, not just this year, but moving forward. But again, I have no clue what their strategy is here. I don't really, to be honest with you, I don't have enough of an understanding of, you know, the top 50 prospects to really, you know, bang the table for one guy at this point. So, well, that's something that Drew and I will be working on over the next week or so is getting to more familiar with these prospects so that we can have a, you know, spirited discussion about them over the next several weeks here. But that is the conclusion of free agency. This is where the Vikings stand. And I think that they put themselves in a position where I think all of us can be excited about what they're going to do in this draft. Uh, because reasonably speaking, you get a couple of good picks and maybe, you know, just maybe some of my cynicism goes away a little bit. Uh, but that happens remains- every year. Happens every year. 
Yeah, this is the best. Hey, it's the best time in the world for every football fan to be optimistic because you never know just what type of player can come in and potentially reshape your franchise. So uh, it's a fun time to be alive for sure. Um, and I think the Vikings are, you know, giving us uh, positive news, which is always, a, you know, a good thing, um, you know, with the draft rolling around pretty soon here. So uh, any final thoughts on anything that we've talked about today or anything that we may have accidentally missed within the last week? Um, you know, I don't have much. Um, I just I, I remind people to um, not get too optimistic or pessimistic about the free agency. Um, cause there's so much we don't know, um, about, you know, how that all goes, but I will say this in conclusion, um, if you haven't seen the Randy Moss story, uh, that he shared with Tommy Kramer about Lambo, I believe, uh, it's all over social media. Now, if you look it up, Randy Moss Lambo story, it is a fantastic five minute watch and listen. Uh, so I would recommend that you all do that. He tells a story about how sort of the build up to the moon moment. And then, uh, you know, why he did it, why it went down and how, you know, he received the news that he was going to be fine for it and everything. It's, it's just fantastic. Randy Moss is a very entertaining person. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Tommy Kramer, Randy Moss combination, not something I thought would click super well. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> it, uh, it does work. I mean, I, I've liked uh, the content that they've uh, put out and I I'm with you. I would uh, co-sign that, uh, that recommendation there. So, all right, folks. Uh, well, that's all that we, uh, we have for you today. Uh, as always, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can find us on the Daily Norseman as well. Um, and check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket team and all the cool stuff that they're doing. I think they have some special guests this week, which should be fun. So if you're not checking out those live shows already, make sure to do just that. Um, and yeah, like I said before, we'll be uh, start working into draft stuff and have more of a draft focus. Uh, I know you guys like mock drafts, so I'm sure we'll do some of those at that at some point. And uh, we'll start honing in here on some of the best possible options for the Vikings and kind of why we see them as you know positive fits. But uh, until then, uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us, and we will catch you next week. Oh.